altar to carve out sacred space that I will seek you first. I want to seek you, I want to know you, I want to find you here today. I stand in surrender, it's you that I'm after, and nothing on earth stand in the way. Before Pastor Mark is a song that comes out of this house and what our desire is during this month, the beginning of 2017, to say in a very real, concrete way, we choose to seek God, that we choose to put our focus in on him and to look his direction. And uh, may that song become an anthem for us that I want to know him. I want to seek him. I want to know him. And uh, we have the opportunity to seek him. Want to, uh, I want to say hello, and I want to say let's go after God this month. And there's a lot of things that we've been talking about, opportunities for prayer and other things. 
But it's going to be on you. It's your choice about what you do. It's, uh, it's like putting dinner in front of an audience or guests that are over. It's their choice whether or not to eat it. It's their choice whether or not to pursue it. And we're going to offer many things this month with Greater Faith Weekend, with our prayer opportunities, and I'm excited about it. I cannot wait for the Greater Faith Weekend on the Thursday night, and it's all Spanish worship with Ingrid Rosario. I mean, this room could be full of Hispanic, Spanish-speaking people from all over the Twin Cities. Very excited about that all the way through the weekend that we have. But listen, I'm, I was a youth pastor for, for 10 years and then traveled and spoke around the country in different venues for the next generation, and I know this to be true. They're under the sound of my voice, there are hundreds of people who've had massive God experiences, and it's been a long time since you've been to camp. And it's time for you to experience God again. It's time for you to not just get your little one hour, I bless me Lord, in the service, and maybe just give God room, and of course I'll talk today about how to expand that thought. Ecclesiastes says this, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace the time to turn away, time to search, and a time to quit searching, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to t tear, and a time to mend, a time to be quiet, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. This is a reflection of the human experience in which we do go through, go through the ebbs and flows and the New Year's resolutions and things at the beginning of the year. We're kind of reminded of that. But we also go through different moments uh, throughout our lifetime because we are born. From the time we're born, we were born seeking something. We were going after things. I mean, think about little infants who all they want is food. Uh, all they want is attention. And then as the kids grow a little bit more and they can crawl and they reach for anything, they're seeking anything that's in front of them. If you've ever held a, a little baby or a kid, a, a toddler, and they're, you're holding them and they're grabbing your glasses or they're grabbing, for me, my beard or anything in front of them, they'll, they'll grab anything, they'll seek anything. And then as kids grow up, they, they seek experiences and uh, elementary kids or age kids are wanting to grow and wanting to learn, but mom and dad are really still important in their life. And, and then as they hit the teenage years, they begin to seek things outside of the home. They want friendship and peers matter more and the opinions of our friends matter more and we want the experiences and we feel like we're missing out and, and, and that becomes a really nerve-wracking time for parents because parents are losing control during that time because it seems as though their kids are chasing other things and by the time they go to become young adults, young adults as they move on, they begin to seek purpose and identity and they're chasing it. They're looking for it in education. They're looking for it in experiences or a career or in relationships and sometimes they get it. Sometimes it's like grabbing a puff of smoke and it feels like they can't find it and they're disappointed. And By the time a person gets to be middle-aged, whatever that means, 
when we become middle-aged, we kind of change and we seek different things. Now we begin to seek relief from the weight of juggling life or the shift to longer-term thinking. And sometimes the desire to seek diminishes itself. The get up and go got up and left. And even the desire to do what, right, what is right or the desire to pursue God kind of goes lower. And then we hit the golden era of life, whatever that means to you. And that's the time when we begin to seek legacy and what are we handing off and family and special relationships. And we care less and less about what others think. It's the opposite of the teenage years. It's like, I don't care what anybody thinks about the clothes I'm wearing. I don't care what your opinions are about me. I'm focusing on what I care about. Some people, when they hit that stage of life and they finally get to retire, they want to have the fun they never had in their previous years. So let me ask you a question. No matter what season of life you're in, no matter what part of the story that you're in, what interests you? What gets your attention right now that you're seeking after? What do you spend large amounts of time focusing on? Is it Facebook? Twitter, <laughs> Snapchat. Let's see if I can get some more amen shout towns. Are you seeking the next cool workout? Healthy food? Unhealthy food? Is it about the next vacation or coffee? We are all impacted by the things that we already are seeking. You know the phrase, you are what you eat. Whatever you're pursuing, you become. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who you hang with now, what you're seeking, is your tomorrow. Some people have lost some things and when they lose it, they have a loss of vision and without vision, people perish. It's worse to be in a life that is seeking nothing. So today, I want to challenge you I want to challenge you to find hope in the most powerful thing in the world that you can pursue at any time of your life. I want you to look with me at Psalm chapter 27. If you have your Bibles, hold them up. I want to challenge you to bring your Bibles, paper Bibles, if you can, this month. There's something about the paper Bible. If you got your phone, you can go there too. Just don't get distracted along the way. Psalm 27, the psalmist is talking about this most powerful thing in the whole world. He says, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when, he, when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock, and then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. And at his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. I love, love, this text. 
because it talks about the connection between the creation and the creator. And there is more than just service that he's asking for. There is more than just an arranged relationship. There is a heart connection between the psalmist and God. And we too have the opportunity to know his presence. The one thing that makes all the difference is the presence of God. It's the presence of God. And of course, in the New Testament world, in reality, we know it's not just about the sanctuary or the physical temple. For we become his sanctuary. We become the temple of the living God. And what the psalmist would say is something that we too can say. We can meet with our creator and he can restore what has been lost. He can rescue us in times of trouble and he can provide wisdom when we're confused. Give a peace that passes understanding in his presence there is a powerful reality that all things become okay in his presence psalm 16 says you make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore you make known to me the path of life he says you know when you don't know how to chart your course i don't know how many people i talk to that just don't know where they are they feel lost in the season of their story, you can find in God's presence a comfort and a wisdom that helps chart your path. Apart from his presence, and you are, you're, you're going on a trip without GPS, baby. But you got his presence, and he can direct your steps and guide you along the way. The good news is that God has invited us to pursue all that he has for us. He has given us that invitation. Back in Psalm 27, verse 8, it says, My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Which means he's ready. He's waiting. He says, come. And there's an invitation for more than what you've experienced up until now. Are you aware of all that God has for you? Think about it, your stage of the journey. Do you really know all that God has for you? Some of us in here, we've walked with the Lord a number of years and we've kind of settled in and we've kind of gone, yes, I know the Lord is faithful and I trust that he'll keep me going. But did you know there's probably more available than you're asking for? That there's probably a grander universe of opportunity and connection of the presence of God that perhaps you've settled in and you no longer ask for? Yeah, yes, I'm grateful for salvation. How many are thankful the Lord saved you? You didn't deserve it. He loved you. He chased you down. Amen. I'm thankful for entrance into the kingdom of God. But God has more than fire insurance for us that keeps us out of hell. He has so much more, and he knows exactly what we need at every stage of the journey. You could be a business owner that has had great success and as God has given to you and you've given away and you've blessed people and you've had good ethics and you've followed the Lord, God has blessed you and you think you've seen it all. But listen, I think in 2017, God could take the lid off your life and open up new opportunities you don't even know anything about. There's more available. And he says, come. He says, come. He says, come, let's talk. I have an opportunity for you. Some people, your dreams have died. You don't believe in yourself anymore. 
You've given up. And the God who created you in your mother's womb and shaped you and put destiny on your life has not given up on you. And if you would turn your head and hear the voice of the Lord this morning, you will know that he is calling out your name. And as he calls out your name, he can restore life into your soul that has long since left you. It's not over. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not over. It's not over. But where are we going to get the, the, the things that are available? Jesus spent so much time with his disciples that he became their source. But he kept talking to them about a time coming when he would leave. And when he would leave, they would need to go somewhere to get what they were getting from Jesus. And he kept talking about the capital S Spirit, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit. And he said the Holy Spirit is going to come. And when he comes, he will guide you. He will lead you. He is connected intricately as the presence of the Lord. He is the presence of the Lord. Luke chapter 11 verse 13 says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Of all the great things that we have as an opportunity, we need to turn our eyes to heaven and say, oh, Father, you promised Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit gives me an invitation into a world I don't know anything about. And we need to receive it from the good, good Father that we serve. Just a little bit of the opportunity to think about that. I'm going to ask Jody to come right now. My wife uh, was just a, last month, we had our friend Monty here. And Monty Hip was, uh, he's a long-term friend. He's you know, how many of you guys have known that, like, I'm not the Christmas guy? I've said this last series I was preaching. You're getting there, though. I'm, yeah, because I he have. He hasn't noticed. I left the Christmas tree up to see how long it would take him to notice that the tree is still up. So it's still up, so you're doing good. I'm, pro- I'm, living, in the, <laughs> I'm living in the discipline of accepting your mentorship, Jody. So <laughs> I'm living in that discipline. It may be up all year if you're waiting for me to initiate because I'm just trusting you. Anyhow, when Monty was here, he uh, spoke on a Wednesday for us in our prayer service, and, uh, and he's a great mentor. He's helping with all of our community engagement stuff that we're doing now. And uh, Jody spent some time with him, and I'll, I'll let you share the story from here. So after the service, uh, Monty looks at me and says, hey, Jody, where's your Christmas list? What's on your Christmas list? And I'm like, Monty, I don't have a Christmas list. And he goes, what do you mean you don't have a Christmas list? And I kind of came up with this lame excuse, you know, sometimes it can get disappointing. I'd rather just go buy it myself if I really want it, you know, or if someone asks me, you kind of like, I am up, okay, you really want to know what's on my get my list? Well, you'll probably spend $25, so let me adjust what I might ask. I mean, how many people have done that where, you know, what's the limit, okay? And so I was just kind of, you know, telling him my story, and he's just looking at me, and I'm like, okay, he asked me this for a reason. Monty, what's on your list? Do you have a list? And he goes, yes, I do. It's right here. And he pulls out his phone and shows me his Christmas list. Which we have the text of that picture of his list. 
So and on his list, he's got like, you know, lavish things, sort of, but you know, $200 price range. And he's pointing to things like, hey, maybe you and Nate can spring for the TV for me or something. And <laughs> I'm like, well, if we do that, my kids will not get any gifts this year. But um, so it was just kind of funny. And, you know, I just kind of laughed it off. And if you know Monty, that is Monty. Monty, just lo he's such a gifts person and stuff. And so the next morning, I was in my devotions and just was praying. And I felt the Lord stir me. And he said, hey, Jody, where's your list? I'm like, I want you to make me a list. And I'm like, okay, Lord, so what, what do I want for Christmas from the Lord? And I started thinking about things like, okay, hello, possible pledge, my kids um, and their future, and what does God want to do in them, and just start thinking about things. And then I started thinking about different scriptures like, uh, he owns the cattle on the thousand hills, Psalms 50.10. He can do more than we can ask or think in Ephesians 3.20. He knows how to give good gifts to those who ask, Matthew 7, 11. So I realized that I didn't have to reduce my list because God can afford it all. And then as I, I, as I sat there and just began to pray, I felt like the Lord said, what about spiritual gifts? The Bible tells us in um, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And so the Lord's like, do you have any of those on your list? Now, how, can you imagine if we uh, began to earnestly seek spiritual gifts and we walked in the gifts of prophecy and gifts of healing and working of miracles? And Pastor Nate's going to talk a little bit more about the spiritual gifts. Thank you, Jody. I run the risk now. When she steps down, everybody's like, oh, I want to hear her talk more. <laughs> Me too. Me too. She was drawn to the spiritual gifts because really we were born to seek the spiritual too. We naturally are seeking physical things all the time and entertainment and fun, but we need to seek the spiritual that's available. And you know, it starts with God already has given us some things. Romans 12 says in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. We start with already having some things. And I hope that we're operating with what God has already given us. But then there's even more that's available. In 1 Corinthians 12, there are spiritual gifts offered, administration, apostolic gifts, discernment, faith, healings, helps, knowledge, miracles, prophecy, teaching, tongues and interpretation, and wisdom. Friends, there's so much more available. Ephesians 4 talks about office gifts like the apostle, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. But then there are also fruits of the Spirit. And perhaps you're struggling with some of the fruit in your own life. You're looking in the mirror and you're frustrated at the beginning of 2017, you have Holy Spirit fruit that's available, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And we're supposed to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. We're supposed to chase for them. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, so you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. When I give my kids 
gifts, I hope they want them. I hope they don't just shove them back under the tree. Act like they're not for them. I want them to earnestly, eagerly seek them. I saw some Facebook videos of little kids that got presents over the holidays and their faces lit up and they're like, ah, and little kids and they're so excited and they're ripping the paper off and they're ready to dive in. Friends, that's the way we can be spiritually. That when we approach what's available to us, we can go after it instead of passively sitting there waiting for it to hit us in the face. No, the, the way God's kingdom works is he's given us an invitation, and now we got to go. Turn to the person next to you and say, let's go. No, I didn't mean like leave the sanctuary or anything, but let's go. No, to seek is to take steps. That's truly what faith is, Hebrews eleven six. and without faith. It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly, what? That's who he rewards, the ones who seek him. Faith is not a belief that they're there. Faith is a step toward what you believe in. That's what faith is. For this series, we've been handing out in our sanctuary at the doors these seat cards. Did you pull those out? Some of you might have already started taking notes. And we'll have them each week so you can take notes. But my desire is for you to begin to develop your list that you need to talk to God about. To write down your spiritual gift list and to be able to share them with God. So what should be on your list? What do you need to pursue? Let's be honest about it. Is it love? Do you need to pursue the love of God because you lack it in your life? He'll give it to you. Do you need to pursue patience and the fruit of the Spirit and kindness? Put it on your list. Do you need to have self-control or wisdom because you're confused all the time? Or you're feeling disoriented? You can pursue his wisdom. How about for your family? If you don't have a piece of paper right now, then get your note function out on your phone. I'm seeing too many people that aren't even looking at their paper. I want you to write a list right now. Start putting it down. Oh, he's for real about this? Yeah, I'm for real about this. We're moving somewhere. This isn't just about text and messages that you hear a good homily today. If we're going to go somewhere over the next couple weeks and seek, you've got a, some homework to do. i got some homework to do. Do you need to become a spiritual leader in your home? What are your dreams spiritually for your kids and your grandkids? What are your dreams for your parents or your siblings or your friends? What are you asking God to do? Do you need to serve in the church? Is there something that you know you need to take a step of faith towards something God's already spoken to you about? Does your prayer life need to grow? Listen, we need to get ready to pursue him for the next 21 days of seek together. We can't be passive and we can't wait for it to hit us. We've got to pursue him. And if you don't pursue, you won't receive. 
If you don't pursue, you won't receive. James 4. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Two parts of that James passage is you aren't going to get it because you're not asking God for it. So that's why I want you to write it down so that you can remember, I need to ask God for this. The second part of it is don't ask with the wrong motive. And there are many people that stop there because they look inwardly and they think I'm too selfish. I just want God to do a miracle and it's only for me. So I'm not going to ask. I'm going to save God the time. But listen, I want you to hear me today. You don't need to worry about your motives if your heart is on the altar before God. There is a scriptural principle that I want to talk about today that is absolutely critical if you're going to find him. Your heart needs to go on the altar. It's the biblical practice of going to the altar. In the Old Testament, they would offer different things, grain offerings and animal sacrifices to atone for skin or for sin. For skin, for sin. And then they would give thanks after certain things would happen and they would offer praise to God. And it could be just as simple as on one stone, an altar could be formed. Altars could also be large, but it depended on how much effort they wanted to put into it. But the point was that they were doing an outward action to address an inward reality. They recognized inwardly they needed help, so they took action outwardly on the altar to worship before God, trusting that God would deal with the inward. Praise God, in the New Testament, Jesus changed the inward first so that the outward actions can be authentic. I'm not wanting us to become a bunch of crazy people on the outside so that we can feel good on the inside. No, it's the reverse of that. I want what God does on the inside to overflow into what we do on the outside. So we have to deal with our hearts. And our heart is the issue, the seat of your life, the throne room of your life. It's the place that you make decisions. It's the place you feel from. It's the place you sin from. It's the place you love from. And if your heart is not in the hands of God, anything you ask for can be misused. But if it is in the hands of God, then God can direct your steps and prevent you from asking amiss. Psalm 139 says this, Search me, God. Know my, what? Heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know what we do when we bring our life and our heart to the altar? Sacrifice at the altar is all about submission. Yielding your right to be right. It's saying, God, I want to do eight things in the month of January. I want those things going on in my life. But I choose to take all my requests and submit them to you. If they're not right, change my motives. Change the desires of my heart. If they are right, would you bless them and help me stay in motion and in sync with heaven? Help me and my heart to be connected to you. The heart is truly the place where we need to find God. Now listen, 
The daily altar, altar can be spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines are a form of daily altar. I'm asking you to think about a daily altar in your own life. I'm not asking you to get a stone in your house, but to have a place where you bring your heart before God. And that could be in the form of many things. It could be a daily devotional time. It could be a moment where you just pause and you talk to God, read the word. And there are two areas of spiritual disciplines that I want to talk about that are daily altars. The first is abstinence. Abstinence is stepping back from and not doing something so that I can hear God. How many know life is so busy, sometimes we don't even hear if God is talking. So absence from certain things allows us to listen. Solitude and silence are, are forms of spiritual disciplines where we pull away or sacrifice or fasting, you might have heard of. Fasting is not a spiritual diet plan. Fasting is, is pulling away from something that, that kind of owns us. And so it's a trigger. And every time we want to go to that thing, it's a reminder we need God instead of that thing. It could be food. It could be TV. It could be your phone. It could be whatever. For this 21 days, for me, God, I am now stepping into, I need Jesus. I need the, oh, I need the, because... I'm giving up coffee for the next three weeks. That's right. We can just shut the service down right now. I just need about 100 people lay hands on me. And I'm going to pull away from social media. And I'm, because there are triggers for me that I go to regularly to get information, to look at, and I just need that so that I can focus and hear God's voice. That is a form of daily altar for me. I'm not imposing that on you. Some people give up food. They give up different things that they like to do. And I want to challenge you to do something like that. The other side of it is disciplines of engagement, things that we do, things like Bible study. How about reading the Bible five or ten minutes a day? Whoa. For some of you, you're like, I read an hour a day. Well, maybe you need to, like, read two. Just... <laughs> Because it's not helping your attitude. You're a little bit too arrogant for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> Maybe it's prayer time daily. Do you have a place wherever you live where you can have an altar? Where you bow your knee? In our sanctuaries and our campuses, we got a front of the room that traditionally we've called the altar. It's just a space, sometimes there's a stairs and sometimes it's just a platform. But it's a space when we move into it, it becomes an altar when we bring our heart there. Without your heart, it's nothing. So wherever you are, where you bring your heart, are you bringing your heart to an altar on a daily level? You can do that through serving or praying. Can you pray five or 10 minutes a day? Read five or 10 minutes a day? You do that and you give God attention to give him an opportunity to speak into your life and your heart, watch out. All month after we've prayed at the front here, I want to see God move. And what I mean by that is on each of our campuses, we're going to have what we call overtime prayer. After we're done, I pray the prayer benediction our campus pastors do on each of our campuses. Then there's going to be opportunity for you to leave where you're sitting and come up and make an altar. 
You're going to have an opportunity to come up and be an altar. You can do that in the context of the church. And then you can also do that daily in your own life. Psalm 27, again, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Verse 7, hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Say that with me. Lord, I am coming. Say it again. Lord, I am coming. It's time for us to seek the Lord while he's available, to humble ourselves before the Lord, to confess. To confess is the Greek words homologeo, which means to speak the same thing to God as what he already sees. And be honest where you are and submit our hearts to God. Today, I want you to be able to take your seek list and be able to say to God, God, I want more of you. I want to seek you. I might not get everything I want this morning, but I'm on a journey of seeking after you, of coming after you. I will not relent. I will not give up. Lord, I am coming. Lord, I'm coming to you. And I know there's more than what I've experienced. I want you. It's being able to say, Holy Spirit, I'm open. I want more of you. I want you to drop new dreams on me. Joel said that the old would dream dreams and see visions. Some of us that have walked with the Lord many years, it's time for an awakening in our spiritual journey for God to do new things. And those that are just starting on the journey, you got to know this. You don't have to have a, 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 a master's of divinity. You don't have to be spiritual and, and old in order to get God. You can know him right from the stage in the season you're in. If you just say, Lord, I am coming. Lord, I am coming. Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming after you. I'm coming after you. Would you stand with me?